welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this episode, I talk with the 2023 Council Board Chair, Bob Kwok, who is also Chairman and CEO of Unison Risk Advisors and Oswald Companies. A native of Cleveland, Bob shares how his early life shaped his work ethic today and how he supports his community. We talk about the health and benefits space, including drug costs and pricing transparency, his recent merger and leadership transitions, and what he wants to accomplish as board chair this year. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Bob, thank you so much for joining me. It's very exciting to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Uh, We are going to jump right in with some questions, starting with the employee benefit space, Mm -hmm. which you started in at the beginning of your career. Uh, There's been a lot of change since then, Um, you know, a lot more compliance, a lot more cost. What have have you seen any improvement in the employer-sponsored insurance system over these years? I've seen a tremendous amount of improvement in and I think a lot of it has to do with all the additional things that the brokers are bringing to bear for the employers. I mean, I've been in this business for over 40 years. You know, 40 years ago we were placing placing product. We didn't have wellness, we didn't have compliance, we didn't have all the reporting that we do today. And the the, the changes have forced the, the, the common broker today to be able to be more risk management on the benefit side like they are on the property casualty side. And so now we're managing that risk on the benefit side much more and we bring so many more resources to the employer that it has improved. It's still the best place to get health insurance is through your employer. Absolutely, I can't argue with that. Um, You are also, in addition to being on the council board, you've served on the council's Employee Benefits Council for a long time. And so I'd love to hear what the group is currently focused on and where you see the most need for attention in the coming year from that group. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, the, the, the CEB has done great work over the past couple of years. I, I don't get to all their meetings anymore like I'd like to because I truly do enjoy staying close to that space. But um, the last couple of years have been very focused on transparency, and rightfully so. Um, they were the ones that pushed very hard for the uh, no surprise billing mm-hmm. that pushed through the last couple of years. That was very important. Uh, now we're pushing very hard on the PBMs and the pharmacy and a lot of transparency there, transparency in the health care costs, all these things that you're seeing to come to bear where hospitals have to start posting their costs and so on. That's all what the CAB, CAB has focused on for the last several years and continue to do. And I think uh, their big push now on, on working with PBMs that are transparent and are showing their costs up front and pushing those and trying to focus on those, I think it's going in the right direction. We just have to keep pushing hard because there's a tremendous amount of waste in the PBM world. And it seems like that's definitely coming to the forefront this this coming year. It has to. We can't, I mean, these costs can't continue to spiral out of control. Um, Employers can't handle it, and employees, obviously, a lot of it's being pushed on them, high deductibles, higher contributions, and you know, uh, the average worker, it's, it's getting a little bit too expensive right now. Something has to happen. And so we have to start reining in some of those, what I would call wasted costs. And there's a lot of waste in the PBM system. And anybody who knows that system knows I'm telling the truth. Yeah. All right. We are going to move into M&A a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2020, you led Oswald's merger with Baltimore-based RCM&D, forming Unison Risk Advisors. Can you talk to us about that decision and the process of making that happen? Well, the process lasted a long time, but I look at it this way. Anytime you can go into business with one of your best friends, um, it's, a, it's a great time. And it, and it was a pleasure to, to partner up with Bob Cawley, who I've known for over 20 years, a lot of it through Assurex and CIAB. We've been Assurex partners for a long time, and we've served together in CIAB for many years. Um, we both had 
older firms, over 100 years old, steeped in, in legacy, steeped in being privately held. Ours happen to be employee-owned, and you know we, we, we live for that. We live for being privately held. We believe in that model. But we both had agencies that had older senior leaders, and the chance for perpetuation was going to be hard for both of theirs, including ours. Ours could have perpetuated, but there would have been a lot of debt handed down to the next generation. And that's not as much fun to run an agency that's loaded up in debt. You can't really grow that much. So we decided the best way to do it would be if we merged the platforms together, as we did, to create a, a new platform both of our agencies. And then we recapitalized a part of our company, brought in a minority partner to help us uh, use equity instead of debt to buy out some of the senior debt and to try to move on. And so we've created a platform now for the next generation, as we say. So we want to make sure Bob's firm is over 130 years old. Mine is almost 130 years old. We want to make sure it's here for another 100 years. And so this platform is designed that the next generation can continue to perpetuate. We're 70% employee-owned. We're going to remain at least 70% employee-owned. We've got a great partner, and we're very excited about the future. Do you think that in this era of, of a lot of consolidation that it's necessary to at least partner or do something in order to survive as an independent agency? Well, selfishly, I would tell you, yes, <laughs> they should all partner with us. Yeah, well, uh, of course. But uh, no, I, I don't think I don't think it's necessary. I don't think I don't think that's the right word. It's uh, it's helpful for some. Uh, it all depends on their structure. You know, you have a lot of agencies out there that are passing it on from generation to generation um, that want to stay in the families and so forth, and that's reasonable. It's everybody's individual situation. Um, but I, you know, we we truly believe our platform allows people to stay privately held. They keep their name. They run their own offices. They do their things. We just bring additional resources and additional capital to them. So we think it's the best of both worlds. But you don't have to. You mm -hmm. can still stay independent. Okay. All right. Moving into leadership. Um, just a little bit about your background. You didn't grow up in a privileged environment. You're pretty self-made. How has that shaped your view of the world and the work that you do? Oh, um, oh, it shaped it a lot. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, I learned at a very young age I had to settle for certain things. I watched my mother have to settle for certain things, as I would call it, and they weren't first-class things. They were second, third-class down, and um, you scrimp, and you run out of money at the end of the month for food, and you're, you know, trying to figure out what you're going to make for dinner until the Social Security check comes in. You watch all those things happen, and of course it shapes you a little bit. Um, I never wanted to do that in my life. And, and you fight harder to make sure that you never have to settle. And I think it, it pushed me more to say, I'm not going to settle, I'm never going to settle, and make sure my family never has to settle for second best, if you will. And um, it's just built a um, tenacity in me that um, uh, I just, there's no finish line with me. I'm going to out-hustle you. My father always taught me before he died, never get out-hustled. You know, somebody might be better than you at something. Somebody might be more talented, but don't ever let them out-hustle you. So I always made sure since the day I started in this business, you might be smarter than me. You might have more years on you than me, but you will never outthink me. You will never outwork me because I'm relentless. I'm relentless, and I won't stop until I succeed. And that attitude has what's propelled my career for all those years. And a lot of it has to do with how I grew up. Do you bring that to the young talent that works at Oswald? 
<laughs> I try to, man. I try to fire them up every single day. Um, you know, it's it's different personalities. Different people get motivated in different ways. Um, I love this profession. I still love it 42 years later, um, and it is a profession, and I try to bring that upon people to understand that this is not a job. If you want a job, please go work for one of my competitors. This is a profession, and if you if you love this profession, you will become good at it. It's your craft, and embrace it every day. Embrace it every day. We try to teach people win the day. Life is made up of a bunch of days, yeah. and if you win more than you lose, pretty damn good life. You also have seen several transitions uh, in leadership at your time in Oswald, including your own transition to chairman and CEO. What have you learned from these leadership transitions? Well, I've been blessed. I've had two great leaders come before me, Jim Pender and uh, Mark Burns. They were both chairman and CEO and uh, before me. And, And you learn something from each one. They're both different. But one thing, as I reminded folks when I took over, the name might change on the door, people might change, but principles don't change. What we're built on, the values we're built on, what we believe in, you know, those were instilled in me over the years by both Jim and Mark, that we believe in being privately held, we believe in employee ownership, we believe in caring for our communities, we believe in integrity in everything we do. Those are the values that will never change. The name on the door might change, but those values will never change. And um, no, I've, I, I've, I've had big shoes to fill for both of them, and, uh, but it's been a great ride. Also, you led your team through a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so, first question about that: What did you learn leading leading through that? Yeah, leading was was a challenge. Yeah. There was no there was no playbook to lead. Um, you know, it just taught you. You know, you, you never know what's around the corner. You know, there, there's been lots of things that we've gone through over the over the course of decades. You know, you have economic downturns, you have different things, but we never faced anything like a pandemic there. And as I said, there's no playbook for it. So you learn, you learn that you you've got to lean on other people. There's no one right answer. I don't think any of us had the right answer. We did what was best for our firms. Um, we learned to be very resilient. My people were unbelievably resilient in what they did. Um, and and the, the coming together was, was really cool when it first happened because we all came together and said, we'll get through this somehow. Let's figure this out. We've got to take care of our customers. Let's figure out a way to do this. And so that's been, been very, very good. And you learn to communicate a lot. I learned how important it was for ongoing communication with everyone to keep them informed of what was going on, why we were doing what we were doing. And we didn't do everything perfect, trust me, but they, they always knew we cared. They always knew we were trying to do what was best for them and best for our customers. And so, you know, I think all of us learned how to be very resilient. And I think we surprised ourselves and others surprised themselves how resilient they could be and adaptable. So now that we are, a lot of companies are returning to the office, uh, we hear all the time from our members at CIAB how much they're struggling with managing a hybrid workforce. It's, it's probably the, the top thing that our working groups are telling us. So how are you all doing that? What are you doing at Oswald? My people would laugh if they, if they heard you asking <laughs> me that question because I don't hide my feelings. I, I, I'm a dinosaur, as they would like to call me. And, you know, I still, I prefer the old-fashioned way. Obviously, I prefer being in a room with people and collaborating and teamwork, and I love the energy of everybody coming together and working together to solve problems and, and help clients. And, and all of that, I miss that. Mm-hmm. But I have also learned, begrudgingly, <laughs> um, that it's a new world. And it's, it's a new dynamic, and people are still very, very productive. And their quality of life is just a bit better, though, mm-hmm. okay? And they're still productive. And as long as our customers are happy, 
okay, and we're getting things done, uh, that's the most important thing. But it's, uh, you know, we can never lose sight of the fact that relationships matter. Relationships at work matter, relationships with your customers matter. It's still a people business. It's always been a people business in, in all my years, and it will continue to be. And if we lose sight of that, you don't create relationships on Zoom. Okay, you create relationships over a, a cup of coffee with somebody, over having lunch with somebody, sitting across a desk with somebody, and it's the same in the workforce. So you've got to have hybrids. Got to be hybrid. Okay, I don't think I don't believe in 100% remote uh, for everyone. It's just not our model. I know it works for some people. Um, I believe there's times you still have to come together and you have to collaborate. But um, the old man is learning to adapt. <laughs> well, that way, yeah. We'll quote you on that. Yeah. One. <laughs> some of my people might not agree yet, but I am. I am. I'm trying. So. Uh, all right. So how are you keeping good talent around? That's another huge struggle for a lot of members. It is, and uh, you know, I think they see that we have a plan for the future okay with with our merger with RCMD and creating the unison risk advisors platform and then you know building building a financial capital base to allow us to continue to grow they want to be with a winning company they want to be with somebody who's growing we're not stagnant we're not just staying in one place and hoping that things work out we're building a future for our next generation everything that Bob and I are doing and the rest of our partners is all built around the 30 somethings the 40 somethings and so on and say here you've got a place now and you have the chance to have the same equity and wealth creation that we did and that's the most important thing and so if you like that model if you like to be an owner, mm -hmm. right, and not just an employee, it's pretty easy. We're, we're the place to be, and uh, we got a fun model, and we, we do pretty well. Yeah. All right. Um, looking, you are a, uh, a leader in Cleveland, where, where you live, and you've served on various boards um, there. What are some of the most important community boards that, you, that are special to you? Uh, you know, that's a tough question because I've served on a lot of boards over the years and each one has a different place. They each serve a different part of the community. Um, so it's really hard to say which one's more important. Um, I'll give you two examples that are both sides of the coin, I guess, is the best way to frame it. I'm currently chair of the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission, right? And never, you say that to somebody and say, oh, that's fun. You get to go yeah. to sporting events. You get to go to games. You know, that's it. No, the Sports Commission is what draws events to Cleveland, right? All the different amateur events that have gone. The Women's Final Four that's coming to Cleveland in 2024. We have to win those events. We had the NBA All-Star Game. We had the NFL Draft. All of those are brought by the Sports Commission, along with other things like um, uh, volleyball tournaments, wrestling tournaments, all of those things that are brought to the community create hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of economic development for the community. The restaurants, the hotels, all the other things that survive on that you forget about that when you just hear sports community. You don't realize the almost billion dollars that the Sports Commission has brought to Cleveland since its inception over the years. And so that is a wonderful thing that we do for yeah. Cleveland. But then there's also Northeast Ohio Medical University. I was appointed there by the governor. I served on board for nine years. I was chairman for two years. Um, I watched great work that the small urban medical university was able to do and what it was grow and I was also blessed with being the uh, uh, head of the search committee for the new president mm -hmm. and we brought him on three years ago Dr. John Langell and he has done wondrous things and watching the evolution of that and how many more young people is especially in underserved communities are able now to go to medical school mm -hmm. okay they're able to find a way to do that and get back in their communities and treat the people that they grew up with right seeing that stuff that's really cool so 
you know, there, there's each one serves its purpose, and I've been privileged to serve on some great boards. I have to tell you that uh, the cost of medical school I see as one of the one of the major problem in our in our healthcare system because it just bleeds into lots of you know doctors going into specialties that pay a lot more versus primary mm -hmm. care, and so I, I think it's great that you're focused yeah, on and that. And Neomed was focused on primary care, and we see more and more going specialty. It has to change. Yeah. I mean, primary care physicians have to be paid more, but you know, you have a big big issue with nurses right now. Yes. There's a big nursing shortage, and, and the nurses are getting paid a lot more, and they're leaving to go to travel nurse companies who, who double their salaries, and it's you're seeing hospitals now, they, they can't afford to stay stay in business with the cost of talent or the lack of talent that they have even in the nursing so we need some more nursing schools too and um, it's a great profession but yeah. we need some more nursing schools because we definitely have a shortage yes absolutely um, all right one follow-up to the sports commission just because I'm curious what would be your favorite sporting event that you could bring to Cleveland the Ryder Cup oh wow that's a good one that's a good I love, love golf and I love the Ryder Cup. It would be wonderful if it was there. All right. That's something to work on. <laughs> um, okay. So one more for you. Mm -hmm. You are a, our new council board chair. What do you want to accomplish this, this year? Well, I follow in a lot of great other board chairs over the years, and it's you know it's an evolution, and we've had a great leader in Ken for over 30 years now for the council. So my job is to make sure that we continue to shepherd a very clear vision for the future for the council, you know, as we transition over over the course of time that is very clear for the membership and for the council staff. What's what's that vision look like as we go forward? And also, as, always as board chair, I believe that you know I represent the membership, and I have to make sure the memberships thoughts and, and what they want to accomplish are also represented by myself and the rest of the board. So I think those are two things. And on a personal personal note, um, I'm, I am um, not, not thrilled with, I guess, the, the lack of integrity in our business over the last several years as it relates to um, organizations not honoring non-solicitation agreements. We see it in the paper all the time. It's highlighted with all these lawsuits and these lift-outs and these, you know, uh, it's ridiculous okay we have contracts we all sign contracts you know we are a profession okay we all sign those non solicit agree we should we should agree with them you want to hire talent from my place or any other place go ahead if they want to go but don't steal their business they have a contract you know let's let's honor those and I would like to see that just come to bear a little bit more because I just think it's a stain on our profession because we are a profession and I think it's a stain and so that personally that's something I would like to champion a little bit more. I don't know how many people will back me on it, but it's just something that I believe in. Well, that's great, and we will definitely look into that on the Leaders Edge side for you. Please do. All right, Bob. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Andy. That was Bob Clonk, 2023 Council Board Chair and Chairman and CEO of Unison Risk Advisors and Oswald Companies. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. For more Leaders Edge podcasts, go to leadersedge.com or find us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. <laughs>